Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 11.34 p.m. It is Monday night. I am a day late getting this out into the world. Forgive me. Um, Yesterday was a crazy day preceded by other crazy days, and I'm on the tail end of being sick, and I just couldn't get it done, so I'm getting it done now. Um, I loved church yesterday. We had, like, I don't know if maybe some people were uh, tired of being cooped up from the hurricane that was just here. Uh, We had a huge crowd um, on just a random day, so thank you to everyone who came. You rock. Uh, and if you're listening to this, thank you to you. You are a huge part of what we do here at Different. In fact, I'm going to pull up the internet here. It's been a while since I've updated everyone on how many podcast streams we have, and it's crazy. So I'm going to anchor.fm, which is where we host our podcasts. We have 14,273 plays. That is bananas. Thank you so much for listening. You are the best. All right, so I'm asking for a little bit of good vibrations, prayers, thoughts and prayers, um, good feelings. Uh, As I said, I'm coming off the tail end of a cold. Owen gave me his cold, and I had it for like a week. I was never really like horribly sick, but it just won't freaking go away. And I like cough a lot anyway and then at the end of a cold it's always like turned up to 11 so i'm just not looking forward to the next i don't know couple days couple weeks of having to deal with a cough especially because this coming sunday is our biography sunday which if you don't know what that is uh maybe like two or three times a year we give the band the day off and we invite our own people up on stage tell some stories about their life based around a theme the theme this week is on art and i will be uh telling a story for the first time i've never participated before so i'm really excited but i hope that i'm not up there sounding like this and just like trying to avoid coughing every two seconds (coughs) insert cough uh so anyway as i said send me all of the vibes all the prayers um i just i don't want to feel bad and be like self-conscious about trying not to cough next week it is time for hannah to talk to us about hating our family or our family hating us or some sort of crazy bible verse that doesn't seem to make any sense but after she got done explaining it it made a lot more sense Uh, but before that uh, a little shout out super proud of my wife tiffany in fact hannah why does my wife rock special shout out to tiffany who drove down this week with a whole car full of supplies and water and necessities. Tiffany has friends and family down there. And thank you to those of you who donated to fill the vehicle with supplies. Um, Is it a drop in the bucket? Yes. But if you're the one who got that water bottle, like you needed it, right? So uh, most of you know that as a church, whatever donations we get, we take 10% of and we put in a separate account and then we donate it back to our community. We save it up for a while and then we donate it. So we made a bunch of donations in September around school time for at-risk kids and underprivileged kids in our community. Um, And so currently in that account, we have $615, which will all be donated to Hurricane Ian Relief. Um, I will let you know when that donation happens. I would love for us to be able to donate a full thousand. Um, so if you want to help us do that, that would be wonderful. 
Um, but yeah, it's, if it's been a hard couple weeks for y'all, it's okay that it's been hard. I mean, it's terrible, but like, it's okay that you feel like it's been hard. Um, I think we can hold space for that. One note about brunch today, 22 South Food Hall has a cover charge. And we did not know this the first time we went there. So what had happened was, this place used to be called Sylvia's, which was a soul food restaurant. This was a long time ago. And it had the best fried chicken I have ever put in my mouth. And like, I grew up in the South, y'all, so I've eaten a lot of fried chicken. <laughs> and then they closed, and I was devastated. Because <laughs> anytime someone was like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? I'd be like, yes, and I know where we're going. And then it came to be this weird place called Callaloo, which was the same menu, just different name. And then they did not survive COVID. And I was, again, devastated. And now it's 22 South Food Hall, which is a soul food restaurant. And normally you can just order food, but on Sundays they have brunch. And so we, I was like, oh, we all have to go. And then we all showed up and it, they were like, it's $22. <laughs> but we decided to stay and it was like 15 people that decided to stay and every person was delighted, happy. Like nobody left upset. They had collard greens and fried chicken and all unlimited bacon. I know. <laughs> so if I completely understand if that is not in your budget, uh, but we decided as a group of people who went there last time that we had to put it on the calendar every like four or five months to go get our fix of some goo fried chicken and collard greens. Okay, you all ready for a seamless transition? <laughs> our scripture verse for today <laughs> comes from Luke, and I am not going to lie, it is a difficult passage. And on the service, it's really challenging and hard to understand, and I don't even like it that much myself. In fact, when I saw it pop up in the lectionary, I was like, oh, I don't want to preach on that. So then I had to. This is what it says. It's pretty short. You may have heard it before. Luke 14, 25 through 27. It said, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is a great feel-good passage. Uh, that's a hard one. That doesn't fit with our Jesus. Like, you hate your parents. Hate your, your partner, your spouse. Hate your kids. I mean, you might think you hate them sometimes, but you don't really. Hate yourself just to be a follower of Jesus. Even that word, hate, that's a little harsh, isn't it? Like Jesus is about love and acceptance for everyone. And now he's using the word hate. That isn't like Jesus at all, is it? Like if this is Jesus' true message, then we shouldn't really be following Jesus, right? Jesus is here to make people hate each other. That's unacceptable. And... Um, in my life, I have heard a few people like to seize upon this verse and be like, aha, I knew it. This is the true message of Christianity. Jesus just wants people to hate each other. And I get it because the passage is not an easy one, but just stay with me, okay? I've never taken you anywhere that we cannot come back from. I want us to immerse ourselves in the story for a moment, like, because as difficult as it is, I think if we can pause long enough to understand what is actually happening here, these words will begin to make sense. So, in these verses, I think Jesus is telling the truth. It's not a nice truth. It's not a comfortable truth. But 
It is the truth, nonetheless, and I think it would actually be remiss of Jesus, harmful of Jesus to not say it like that. Because, what? He had people, crowds of people following him who were in it to feel good, not in it for the long haul. Who can blame them? There's so much excitement and like Jesus just, what a wonderful thing. He's like feeding people, he's healing people, he's accepting people, this is all wonderful, right? They get caught up in the miracles and the mysterious teachings and they're just, they're just so excited. And they wanted to buy into this prosperity gospel that everything in the world was going to be fixed right now. That Jesus was gonna be the Messiah who overthrew the Roman government and saved the Jewish people from oppression. They were thinking, like, once Jesus gets enough traction, Israel will be free, and all our problems will be fixed, because that's what Messiah meant. It's not just a person who leads, it's the anointed one, the one who's going to save Israel. The Messiah is prophesied about in the Old Testament many times, okay? Uh, The Jewish people had already been excited about many potential Messiahs already, (laughs) up to this point. If you think Jesus was the only one who was called Messiah, there was lots of people who were called Messiah. In fact, one such potential Messiah was named Judas Maccabee. And in 167 BCE, he led a revolt against the government, which had basically banned the Jewish religion entirely and took over the temple and turned it into like a pagan ritual site. And so he led this revolt. They actually won and then cleanse the temple. They have this whole ceremony where they cleanse the temple. Who cares? Because this is Hanukkah. A holiday that is still celebrated today, every year, commemorates one of these potential messiahs who actually cleansed the temple from these pagans who were holding all of their rituals there. And for the crowds that were following Jesus, there were only two options, either Jesus was a great military and spiritual leader who was going to overthrow the Roman government and lead the entire nation of Israel back to God, or he was not the Messiah. That's it. Following Jesus meant that their lives were gonna be infinitely better, especially after Jesus takes on Rome. That's what they wanted. But Jesus knew better. And we're like 2,000 years later, so we're like, obviously Jesus did not overthrow the Roman government. I mean, the Roman government kind of did that to themselves. But (laughs) they did not need Jesus to take them over. They were like, let's just politicize ourselves to death. It's nothing like what we're doing currently in our nation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's just go back to the notes. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus was not there to overthrow the Roman government. He was not there to change the landscape of the religious establishment that kept marginalizing people. Jesus was not there to go to war with Rome. He was not there to defeat a temporary enemy. Jesus was there to defeat the biggest enemy of all humans that every human everywhere faces, no matter how rich or poor or powerful or powerless, faces, and that is harm and sin and hurt and death. So Jesus knew he was going to be murdered And he knew that his disciples were going to scatter and be hunted by the authorities. He knew that this massive excitement, and even before he gets crucified, right? Everyone's like, Hosanna, yay. Like, we're so excited that Jesus is here. Where are those people? 
when the government is like, well, we're going to arrest Jesus. They were like, oh, never mind. <laughs> we were wrong. We run away. Run away. Maybe not quite that dramatically. But, okay, he knows that the excitement is going to die down. And even after his resurrection, this path is going to continue to be really difficult. Did you know that of the 12 disciples that are mentioned in the Bible, all of them were martyred except one? And martyred is like a fancy word for killed for a cause. All 11 out of 12 were killed by the Roman government. And one, John, what a lucky soul, was banished for life to an island. (laughs) So great. There's also some folklore about how he was boiled in oil. It's not substantiated, okay? So don't go around telling people that John was boiled in oil and survived. There's no evidence for such things other than a couple paintings that exist. That's just a side tidbit for you to put in your pocket anytime you're having a religious argument with someone in the future. So we know these disciples in recorded history, like, okay, these 11 died, this one was banished. We know several people, we have names, right, of people who specifically stood up against the Roman government and were martyred. But there were so many more. How many countless other people faced the same persecution? And we think like, oh, they got killed. Yes, how many business owners faced a drop in their patronage so steep that they could not afford to feed their family anymore because of their faith in Jesus? How many servants were abused because they no longer would participate in the household religion? How many people were kicked out of their only system of social support, the synagogue or their temple, because they followed Jesus? How many parents lost their children because, or for that matter, how many children What did I say? How many parents lost their children? How many children lost their parents? Because their parents refused to renounce their faith and they were either just unceremoniously killed by the Romans or done so in dramatic fashion in the Colosseum. Like following Jesus was no joke. It was not something you signed up for. Like, I think I'll do that on Tuesday. No, it was a serious life-threatening commitment for several hundred years. And yes, it spread like wildfire, And we're like, yeah, what we really need is a revival to come back to the church. Do we? (laughs) Do we really want one? Because when did the church spread the most? When people were being killed for it. That's horrifying. I would prefer that not to happen, just personally. Can you understand how it might feel as a parent to watch your child join a movement that you know will eventually cause their death? Can you understand how it might feel as a spouse to watch your partner join a movement that threatens the financial stability of your family. Can you imagine one partner following Jesus and the other partner still following all of the Roman religious practices and how much fighting that might cause? Kind of feels like hate, doesn't it? Like I feel like it would be really, really easy to take that personally and say things like, you don't care about me at all. You only care about that stupid Jesus person. Well, he's dead. (laughs) That nonsense about him being resurrected is just propaganda and you're believing lies and you're ruining our lives. Why are you acting like this? Do you hate us? And can you imagine as a person hearing those words as a parent or a child or a partner or even a friend being like, oh my God, what if they're right? (laughs) Like, what if I'm believing something that's not true? What if I am believing the propaganda? And I wonder if we've heard similar things 
hopefully less physically dangerous. But maybe, I mean, we all come from, most of us come from Jesus-based faith homes of some kind. Have you heard things like, why can't you just be normal? You are ruining our family. What is wrong with what we've always believed? Why isn't it good enough for you? Why are you doing this to us? Why do you hate us? You're delusional. If it's inclusive, then it's not Christian. You're believing a false gospel. You aren't the person I married. Or, I love this one, I did not raise you to act like that. I can't wait till Noah's old enough for me to say that. So that's not how I raised you. Now, there's a lot of reasons we may have heard statements like this, right? Like, we, maybe we've heard a statement like that because we're deconstructing. Maybe we've heard a statement like that because you're coming out as part of the LGBT plus community. Maybe we heard those statements because we chose to follow a different path. Just as simple as that. This is their, my parents' path. This is my partner's path. I'm over here. And being true to ourselves and how God has made us has caused conflict. Maybe we've heard statements like that because we're choosing just to handle things differently, like money and friendship and relationships and career. Maybe we've heard it because we started out in our marriage believing one thing, but now we're struggling to believe anything. And it's causing conflict. If that is where you find yourself in any kind of partnership or marriage, I highly recommend David Hayward's book, Till Doubt Do Us Part. Um, this is a huge issue. Maybe not an issue. It's a huge thing that happens, especially in evangelicals marriages, because one person may be like, I don't, something happens, some kind of traumatic event in their life, and one partner is like, I cannot handle this anymore. I don't even know if God is real. And the other person is like, you're not who I married. <laughs> why would you change? Well, first of all, why did you marry that person? Was it because they prayed three times a day? Or was it because you respect them and their thoughts and how compassionate they are and how kind they are and their intelligence? There are so many other reasons why we are in relationship with people, right? That's a different sermon. We might have heard these terms, we might have heard these statements because we are maybe reparenting ourselves or breaking cycles of trauma and abuse that have gone on in our families for generations and our families of origin just do not understand why we would cause such conflict. They do not understand why we would set a boundary. They do not understand why we might say something like, no, actually I believe all people should be included and affirmed and that is the way of Jesus. And then they're like, why do you hate me? If you cannot relate to this or like your family has never made any of those statements to you, first of all, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I love that you exist. You're like a unicorn. Second of all, <laughs> because you've had such a happy life, you're gonna need to hold some space for other people who are in this room and who are out there in the world because this is a really heavy weight to carry. To choose to live differently, to choose to break cycles, to choose to follow Jesus in this way is hard and heavy and sometimes heartbreaking work. It's also freeing work. 
two things can be true. Y'all can come back up here. I told them a specific slide to come back up here on, and I did not make that slide. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so, uh, yay for me, I guess. No, no, it's been a weird week. Two things can be true. Being in conflict with the people you love can be horrendous. That's why we all go to therapy, right? <laughs> it's not because some stranger we'd never seen before said something mean to us. It's like, my mom said this horrible thing to me and I've never forgotten it. And I don't mean to make light of that. It's real. Being in conflict is hard, but living truthfully and fully as who you are is the most freeing thing you will ever experience. And if you are living truthfully and freely and wholly in any part of your life, whether it's all of your life or just one area, then you know that in your bones. You know that even though Jesus is delivering these hard, devastating words, being like, if you choose this path, there will be conflict. And to the people he was talking to, literal consequences on their life, possibly. But there's a reason people kept signing up. There's a reason people kept being like, yep, that's for me. There's a reason all of the disciples and all of these countless other people risk their lives because control and manipulation is contagious. We know this, otherwise the media would not exist. But so is freedom. Fear and scarcity thinking, contagious. So is freedom. Desperation, clinging tightly to everything, contagious. So is freedom. Jesus said in Matthew 11, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We've all heard that, right? What a popular verse. So delightful. It's still a yoke. <laughs> it's still a burden. But the burden of freedom is infinitely lighter than the burden of conformity. And I will just tell you from personal experience, I spent 20, a lot of years, <laughs> A fair amount of years. I don't know how old I was in 2019. <laughs> An age. <laughs> I spent up until, it was, well, I guess that's 30. I spent 30 years in my life. Don't quote me on that. I can't do math. Conforming and watching what I said and being very careful in the spaces that I worked in and lived in to not say the wrong thing because the religious police were always watching <laughs> And so was my family. And in college, like, so were the people that I was dating. Like, I legitimately, this happened in college. Um, I was dating someone, and they got a interview to be a children's pastor at this church a little, in a little military town in Georgia. And I had to go to the interview with him because obviously you're not hiring just one person. You're also hiring their wife we were not even engaged, okay? <laughs> but I had to go to the interview. And they were like, oh, yes, you're going to be the pastor's wife. And I was like, I mean, he can be a pastor's husband. I don't know how <laughs> that's going to work. <laughs> and at the time, I was like really questioning a lot of things. And I personally in my own life was like, I just don't, like I was kind of working through like, pacifism and just war and all of that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure when Jesus said love your enemies, he didn't mean kill them. 
Um, but I wasn't like spreading that around to everyone. That was just a personal thing that I was working through. And the person that I was dating was like, well, you can't ever say that here. This is a military town. And I was like, I'm sorry, are you telling me I can't talk? And they were like, well, no. And then separately they were like, you can come to lock-ins. And I was like, never, never, please never make me come to a lock-in because those children will be trapped in here with me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'd be the one in the corner crying. Like for years, 30 years of my life, I have been not speaking openly and honestly until God like kicked me in the butt out the door, literally out the door of my job, two of them. And like, I finally was like, okay, we're gonna, we are gonna do this. I was like, I'm not standing for this crap anymore. Where I got that resolve, I don't know, because I immediately regretted it. It was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst. And guess what? I can breathe. Nobody telling me what to say anymore. <laughs> Nobody is coming to me and saying, you can't say that here. You can't believe that here. You can't be inclusive of everyone here. That's not the faith you signed up for. Also, you can't say that because people donate money and we don't want to upset those people. Almost not too far. Okay. I'm just saying that I deeply understand what it's like. And does it suck? Yes. It truly and deeply is terrible. And... That kind of terrible is the best. It's the best because the burden is so much lighter when you can be who God made you to be. The weight that you are carrying doesn't have to be from other people. You can just live. And so I wanna leave you with this question. Where are you free? Where has your faith literally taken chains off of your soul and your spirit? Where has Jesus like just gently nudged you and or drop kicked you off a cliff <laughs> into a more open and honest and authentic life? Where did you used to struggle daily? And now you're like, you know, I haven't struggled with that in a while. I haven't, I can breathe easy. I can, I'm really proud of that part of me. Has it all been worth it? for me, the answer has always been yes.